Hey, this is Frank Hannon. I'm the lead guitarist of Tesla, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to your weekly dose of Focus on Metal. Got a few cool things on tap for you on this week's show, and uh, that does include the guy that uh, led off on the ID to open the show, Mr. Frank Hannon of Tesla. That's right, going to have Frank on the show this week, talking about guitars, Tesla, and um, horses for some strange reason. But, yep, we got Frank on the show this week. Also on the show this week, we have Mark LaBelle from the band Dirty Honey. Those guys have uh, been out and about and slowly making waves with a couple of big major bands and some really cool opening spots for guys. So we've got Mark on the show this week to talk about uh, what's going on with them and their plan of attack for world domination. So yeah, as I've been promising in past episodes, uh, lots of audio hanging out here. And, uh, you know, it's always been a big shuffle about uh, looking at all the stuff, deciding what we're going to bring you each week. And then this week, just oddly, this is what I settled on. Little Tesla, little Dirty Honey. And uh, we'll see what else we can get up to. And uh, definitely an oddball type of thing because, yeah, as I'm doing this whole show and mixing and mastering it, yeah, my girlfriend is heading up to see Tesla with a few of her friends having kind of a drunken girls' night out. And uh, I'm sitting here mixing, mastering, and editing audio. So I don't know. I've, I've fucked up somewhere. But anyways, great show in store for you this week. And we're going to kick it off in a way we haven't done it for a few weeks now. And that is Track of the Week. So back in the beginning of September, I had uh, one of the guys from Demon Doll Records hit me up and asked me if I would be interested in hearing one of their new artists called Platinum Overdose. And he gave me a link for a couple of songs to take a listen to, and it was like, wow, these guys have definitely got that uh, old school 80s LA sleaze rock kind of sound going. But not like they're trying to imitate it. It's almost like somebody uncovered some lost tapes of a band that was uh, signed when they were grabbing up bands left and right and then buried this band never to be released kind of a deal. But uh, in fact, brand new band, brand new songs, uh, but they really have this this whole sound down. And of course, it doesn't hurt that these guys do have a couple of uh, folks from back in the day. Matt Thor, who uh, from Rough Cut and Jailhouse, he's on uh, rhythm guitar. And then uh, Steve Philbrook, from Brass Kitten, he's on lead vocals, and then Rick Mead from Sire is on lead guitar, and then uh, the main man behind all of this, Lance V, is on the bass. And if you really want to dig in some more about uh, the whole history behind this band, creation, what's up with Lance, all that good stuff, then what you really want to do is... Uh, Amazingly, head up to sleazerocks.com into the interview section of the site and check out the interview with Platinum Overdose founder, bassist Lance V. And that will answer pretty much all your questions. And of course, you kind of want to know is uh, after we spin you uh, our track of the week and you decide you want in on uh, some more of that good stuff, 
then what you want to do is uh, go up to demondollrecords.com and you can get your very own copy of Platinum Overdoses release Murder in High Heels. That's right. You're going to have 10 tracks. That's nine more than you're going to hear today. All the same kind of good stuff. And with 10 tracks to choose from, and you know, you can't really go totally wrong. So it's what's really going to fit with the show at hand. And fortunately, they have one that really fits the bill. And that's the track Rise Up. And that's because it sounds a lot like Tesla. So from the band Platinum Overdose, from their release Murder in High Heels, here's the track of the week. It's called Rise Up. Like I said before, if you want to get your own copy of Murder in High Heels by Platinum Overdose, go up to DemonDollRecords.com. So our first guest on the show this week is Mr. Frank Hannon. And it's great to have someone from Tesla on the show. You know, back in the day, I remember when Mechanical Resonance came out and, uh, you know, the band I was in, we were all over that album and I can remember that uh, lead guitarist Mark could just play the shit out of Modern Day Cowboy. Just amazing. Then uh, that that song, that whole album really spoke to us. And we played the crap out of that album and really kind of still do to this day. And, you know, over the few years, we've uh, had the opportunity to go up and uh, go to some of the shows and hang out and stuff like that. And uh, even having some of their opening bands on their tours, like American Dog on the show as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's been it's been cool to kind of be on the round, the periphery of Tesla. But it's nice to actually have somebody from the band 
on the show. And then, of course, for me personally, you know, I am uh, just about as crazy about guitars as Frank is. And so uh, definitely the man has a drool-worthy collection of guitars that he takes on the road. And half the time I'm watching him, I'm just thinking about, you know, just those guitars and just the amazing, uh, amazing stuff that he does have. But even through all the years, you know, that that they've had of, of their popularity and, and selling out and stadiums and everything else, definitely still down-to-earth people. And I think that definitely the interview that Richie's doing this week with Frank will show you just how, even after all this time, somebody as uh, as famous as Frank can be just an incredibly humble, down-to-earth, and awesome-to-talk-to person. And it is kind of weird that they're still even doing PR at this point because, you know, as this episode airs, and, you know, this interview is only about a week old at this point, they've only got three more dates on their current tour. So uh, it's weird that they're really still pushing out the PR engine for this but, uh, you know, the other little part that is in there is that Frank is letting everybody know that uh, come November, he is going to be putting out another EP. And you'll be able to find out about that and buy your own copy of that up at frankhannon.com. So what do you say we do a little smattering of Tesla and then go right into Richie's interview with the one, the only, the lead guitarist of Tesla, Frank Hannon. Hey, Frank, how are you doing? Hi, Richie. I'm doing good, man. So, you know, any day that I wake up is a good day. True. So where exactly are you at the moment? Uh, right now, I'm in York, Pennsylvania, getting ready for a big festival show tonight with uh, Tesla, Jackal, and the band Kick. Nice. Yeah, you're, you're, up, you're up my way on uh, Friday and Saturday. I'm just outside of Boston. Well, I love that area of the country, and I'm looking forward to getting to just outside of Boston. You know, 
That sounds like that could be a, a, a title of a song or an, a, a live album. <laughs> yeah, Frank, I want to talk to you a minute about the Hampton Beach Casino, which is a show I'm hoping to see you on Saturday night. You, you always seem to do really well there. And I think this is the second time this year you've played there and you've sold it out both times. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is about that place, but there's a magical uh, synergy. Uh, for some reason, it's one of the few places in the country that Tesla has this crazy loyal audience, man, that has always just freaking just gone crazy for us. I don't know what it is. And uh, you know what? I don't even want to know. I just wanted to go there again and again and again. Mm. So... One of the questions I always ask the guitar players, every single one of them when I have them on, how many guitars do you think you have in your house? Oh, well, you know, when Tesla's on the road, we have a semi-truck uh, that that stays filled with all of our equipment and what I would call my A-list guitars that I use in the Tesla show. And the guitars, they stay in the road cases, um, uh, in that truck, there's probably six SGs, two Les Pauls, three acoustics, and two double necks. Um, see, I already lost track of the math right there. <laughs> then, and, so those stay out year-round. And then when I'm at home, I do a lot of solo shows with my Frank Hannon band. And I use, oh, I, I can't forget the Telecaster. Um, I, I, that's out here. But I also have the Telecaster at home. And another three or four SGs, and, you know, uh, Les Paul, Strat. So, you know, it, it, it all adds up, man. And I would, I would say, say, be safe to say that there's probably 60 or 70 guitars in my collection mm. that are it, divided, divided up between Tesla and my studio and then the band, my Frank Hannon band. Mm. Is there any guitar that you have, Frank, that, it's so precious to you, you won't even attempt to bring it out on the road. Well, not necessarily, uh, because I like uh, every guitar that I own, I do like to use it at one point or another. Um, but the most precious guitar that I have is, and probably the only old guitar that I have left over from the 80s, would be a uh, Gibson Double Neck that I used on the Love Song video and I used for recording uh, Love Song and Edison's Medicine and stuff like that. It's a cherry red 1987 double neck that I got directly from the Gibson factory uh, when I was on tour with Def Leppard. Uh, Steve Clark uh, from Def Leppard was a huge Gibson endorser at the time, you know, and uh, they were very generous and gave me a cherry double neck that was a lot like his double neck that I used to drool over. And uh, I still use that guitar today. It lives in the Tesla truck, and uh, I still use it. Hmm. So do you have a, a favorite guitar that you like to write music on, or do you just pick up the nearest one and then just play and write on that? Uh, well, you know, the thing is, man, is, you get inspiration for guitar riffs or, or music or songs uh, from different guitars, different tones. And there has been some guitars that I'll, like, especially with acoustics, that I'll just pick up and start strumming um, 
and a song will automatically just come out of it. It's like it's like it's alive or something. It's really bizarre. For example, uh, I was visiting my father-in-law, Dickie Beth, and he's got this old Martin acoustic in his uh, in his living room, and I picked it up and immediately started playing a G chord with some some riffs, and it turned into a song that's on my solo album called The Price. And uh, that's one of my favorite songs that I've written. It's called The Price, and it's on the Frank Hannon uh, uh, website. You can find it. Hmm. Now, when I found out I was going to be talking to you, I put it out on social media that was there anything in particular you wanted me to ask Frank? And I'm going to ask you about something now that I've never asked anyone else. And I don't think after I ask you, I'll ask anyone else ever again. Some person told me to ask you about horse cutting competitions. Oh, oh, horse? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, um, someone's pretty perceptive. They've they've seen uh, some of my postings about uh, my love for horses. Okay. Uh, uh, Yeah. I've always uh, been a country boy uh, at heart. You know, even though I grew up in South Sacramento, which is kind of a ghetto neighborhood, part of that that neighborhood was a lot of open fields and, and empty vacant lots and my stepdad uh, used to um, always, for some reason, have a horse, and and he loved horses and uh, the cowboy culture, and, and uh, so as a kid, I used to jump on horses and uh, and hang out with horses. Uh, you know, I love horses because they're they're all body language, and and they they really rely on you to be confident and uh, and trustworthy and you, you know you can trust a horse you know it's like a dog mm-hmm. you trust a dog you know uh, and so over the years and now I'm in my 50s I've really developed a love for horsemanship and learning about horses and the sport of cutting is uh, a very uh, challenging uh Sport of horsemanship, where you really have to, to have balance and relax. And uh, I know the word cutting throws a lot of people off; they don't know what that is. But what that is is the cowboys would would be riding alongside hundreds of cows, and if there was a cow that was sick, they would have to walk into the herd of cows and cut that cow from the herd. So it's actually a very uh, you have to be very calm and collected and relaxed and you walk into a herd of cows and you separate one from the herd. And that's what the word cutting means. You're just cutting the cow from the herd. Okay. And so- it's a very challenging, detailed sport. And, uh, you know, but more than that, it's, it's horsemanship and uh, there's a lot of spiritual... Uh, things for me that have forced me to be a better person because uh, you got to be a solid committed honest person when you're working with horses okay okay so do, do you own horses frank how many have you got oh yes uh um um i almost have as many horses as i do guitars <laughs> <laughs> and um just 
I'm just kidding. No, we I have we have a total of eight horses, um, and some of them are retired. They're really old. Uh, some of them are, you know, uh, are just hanging out like pets, and uh, other ones are the cutters that are really super cow cow fresh and, and love love doing a job of of uh, sorting cows and cutting cows and. and uh, and we go to New Mexico every year, and we, uh, you know, you know, it's kind of ironic that Tesla has a song called Modern Day Cowboy, and um, I'm probably going to write a book about it someday, being nice. a cowboy. Nice, nice. So what hobbies do you bring with you on the road? Are, are you a, a movie guy? Do you read a lot of books? Do, like some guys tell me they like to get out with a camera and, and take photographs. Like what, what's your hobbies when you're on the road? Well, when I'm on the road, sometimes if I'm in Texas or Oklahoma or in that area, you know, or in a place where I do know there's a ranch nearby, I'll, I'll rent a car and I'll go do that. But my my standby hobby is riding a bicycle. If it's not a horse, then I'll ride a bike. And uh, I carry a, a Schwinn bicycle uh, in the Bay of the Bucks, and I, I every day I'll put it together and I'll go for a ride. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and then besides that, I've learned that you can write music, and I get inspiration for songs uh, and writing uh, on the road. And it is possible to make an album on the road. And so I'll spend a lot of my time recording. I did a, an album called "From One Place to Another." That uh, that title is inspired by being on the road, and it's it's twenty songs of of old covers that I did uh, last year. Uh, if anybody's interested, just search for Frank Hannon one place, from one place to another. Tesla also recorded the Shock album on the road. Uh, Phil Collins is very instrumental uh, in teaching us that you can write songs and record on the road. And mm. so it's a lot of time in there. Mm. I've, I've spoken to a lot of musicians now, and some say they can write on the road, and others say that they have to separate it, that you can't write and play shows at the same time. What, what's your stance on that? Um, it's all in your mind, man. You know, you people can make their own choices. If they can't do it, then they're just saying, you know, then they can't. But uh, my stance on it is that I've learned that I, I actually get a lot of inspiration being on the road and being in different cities and different places. And uh, I try to make the time to write songs. In fact, on the road this year, I've written uh, four new songs that are going to come out uh, this this winter in November. I'm going to release a, an EP of songs that I wrote on the road this summer. Hmm. So, what are your favorite cities to go back and visit that you just fell in love with them maybe years ago and you can't wait to get back there? Well, I'm a sucker for Manhattan. I do love New York City. Um, I do love Chicago. Um, you know, uh, I love London. Um, I love Tokyo. Uh, you know, I love different cities for different reasons. Um, but I, like I said, I am a country boy, so I do like small towns. You know, Ardmore, Oklahoma. Dayton, Ohio is a great city. Uh, you know, yeah, man. Mm. Now, Fra- now, Frank, you played a show just before I moved here about nine years ago, you're on a bill with Whitesnake Journey and Def Leppard in Dublin. And me and my friends, we were trying to figure out the Tesla ever play in Ireland uh, before then. 
and we thought maybe you would have played there on the Hysteria Tour. Can you remember? You know, I remember vividly the first time we ever played in Belfast, and uh, there was a, a record store appearance where Tesla played on Mechanical Resonance Tour, and the fans were so crazy. They had us backed up against the wall, and we were standing on a table, and they were just shouting, Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. I mean, it was insane. <laughs> there was a show, I think it was called Ulster Hall, I think. I can't yeah. remember the name of the place in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Ulster Hall, yeah. And it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, and Dublin, you know, uh, we played there. Uh, the O2 building, I think. I, I can't remember, but we've had a great time in Ireland. And I've got some Irish blood. Cannon is uh, an Irish name. And, uh, you know, I love the Irish, man. Uh, you know, and in Boston... Uh, there's a bo- there's a boxing uh, club that I had to visit. You asked me about hobbies. Um, I was doing some boxing for a while, and there's a lot of Irish boxing uh, uh, boxers in uh, Boston. And uh, Grealish Boxing Club is a club that I like to go visit. Okay, okay. So Frank, you you brought back a lot of the lesser played songs in in the current set. Um, if I was to ask you what songs, maybe in the Tesla back catalog, that you've probably never played live that you'd like to play, is there any that stand out for you? Yeah, you know, we always get re- requests for, for songs like Don't Be Rock Me and Flight to Nowhere and stuff like that, um, that, you know, we really went crazy in the studio when we were making those. You know, a lot of songs are, are more live, uh, friendly, you know, and some of them songs are just like studio songs that you uh, experimented with and stuff, so they don't really translate live very well. Um, on this tour, we're playing Changes, we're playing Miles Away, and we're playing Be a Man, and I'm I'm really enjoying playing those songs, um, Especially be a man because I love the message in the song, but also the guitar work is a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, but some songs we just can't do anymore, man, because we're not as young as we were, and the, the, our vocals are just too freaking hard to sing. <laughs> did, did, you guys, did you guys sit down at all and maybe talk about doing the whole of the great radio controversy record because it's 30 years old and a lot of bands now seem to play their most popular albums in their entirety that maybe you just do it once. Well, you know, I don't think there's enough cocaine in the world that would allow us to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So I just have a couple of questions to finish with Frank. Um, why do you think Def Leppard have t- seemed to have taken you under your wing for so many years? Like They've been really good to you back in the beginning, and in the last couple of years, they've brought you out on some of their bigger tours. Yeah. You know what? I'm not sure why Def Leppard has been so good to us, but I'm sure grateful for it, man. They've been such great friends. Uh, you know, we first met them uh, before the Hysteria uh, album came out. It was after Pyromania. Uh, they were working on Hysteria in the studio, and uh, that's when our first album came out, and we met them um, in Amsterdam, and 
Rick Allen and Steve Clark and Bill Cullen were there at our show, and they came and they jammed on stage with us. We played an ACDC song, and uh, we just hit it off great, man. And I think it's just because they are hardworking guys, man, and, and uh, we're kind of a blue-collar, hardworking band ourselves, and I think we just all relate to each other. We're fans of music. You know, Joe Elliott is a huge fan of rock and roll music, as we are. We're fans. And so because we're fans and we're hard workers, I think we relate to each other. Hmm. So, so the final question, Frank, before I leave you go, you've known Phil Collin now for over 30 years, um, but you've never actually worked with the guy. Now, when you actually sat down and wrote with him and, and worked on the shock record, was there anything that surprised you about him that, Maybe you didn't expect him to be maybe tough in this area, or or does something stand out to you like that? Well, I would say that uh, working with Phil um, was such a, a a fun, positive thing. You know, nothing really stands out in a negative way. Um, his vibe is so positive and can-do attitude. You know, you can do this, you can do that. We didn't really set too many limits or, or tell us, you know, that we couldn't do this or couldn't do that. Like, you know, if I had come to Phil and I said, hey, I want to try to write a song that's like Otis Redding Motown, he would have given me a big smile and said, yeah, let's do this, you know. Huh. Um, so and overall, Phil's attitude was very uh, positive and encouraging. Mm. And uh, that's really that's really cool when you're making an album. Yeah, like can you compare him to someone like Terry Thomas or or Steve and Michael? Are they completely different people? Uh, it's a totally different, totally different. Each producer is has that we've worked with has been a completely different approach. Um, and uh, what's funny is Tesla uh, Mechanical Resonance, our first album in the 80s, early 80s when we were young, um, that was such a big era for producers at the time. Mutt Lang and Bruce Fairbairn and Max Norman and all these guys were... It was a producer's world in the 80s. And we got auditioned by a lot of guys. And Chad Sanford and and Jim Faraci from Rat and, and Max Norman from Ozzy, they, they all worked with us and then passed on us because they didn't think we were developed enough until Steve Thompson and Michael Barbiero, they took us on and produced the final version of that first album. But, uh, you know, every producer approaches it differently, and uh, we've been very lucky to work with a lot of really cool producers. Hmm. All right, Frank, do you want to give out all the uh, social media sites where people can get in touch with you or the band? Yeah, if you're interested in Tesla the band, then that's exactly what you do. Search Tesla the band, um, and you'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, the web, www.teslathaband.com. That's the way to find us, because in this world, there's a Tesla car, there's a Tesla this, Tesla that, but we are Tesla the band. Okay, and what about your own website? Is it just frankhannon.com? Yeah, that's Frank Hannon. It's H-A-N-N-O-N, frankhannon.com. Um, you can find uh, me, Frank Hannon, official on Instagram or Facebook. And I've got a new uh, solo album of four new songs to be out in November. And I think it's going to be called The South Side. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Nice. Well, Frank, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to say, say hello to you on Saturday night. 
Yeah, I look forward to it. Yeah, have a good rest of the day, Frank. Thank you. All right, take care of yourself. Bye. Yep, I am not sure what other strange places Richie could have gone with that interview. And uh, I would definitely agree that uh, he will probably never ask anybody else again about horse cutting. And as Frank mentioned, if you want to get any of his uh, music or merch, go to frankhannon.com. You can get all of his solo CDs up there. And if you even want to have them signed by Frank, there's an option to do that as well. Again, that is frankhannon.com. And if you want to keep up with all the news on Tesla, you want to go to teslatheband.com. And in fact, convenient as hell when you do that, a little dialogue box will pop up and you can join their mailing list and keep up to date and to every single second about what's going on with Tesla. So again, that is at teslatheband.com. So up next this week, we have a chat with Mark LaBelle from the band Dirty Honey. And for those of you who are going, who? Yeah, these guys, have uh, they're coming up fast. I got to tell you, they've only been around for a couple of years, coming out of L.A., and uh, they consist of uh, singer Mark LaBelle, guitarist John Notto, bassist Justin Smolion, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and drummer Corey Coverstone. And these guys, they have kicked ass. They have got on all kinds of different tours. They were out with Red Sun Rising. They opened up for The Who. They have been doing some stuff with Guns N' Roses. They're going to be going out with Alter Bridge. Uh, just, I, I don't know, they are just making it work. And earlier this year, they released their first uh, recorded stuff. They recorded a self-titled EP called Dirty Honey, and they've also released uh, two singles. They released the single Fire Away back in 2018, and then also the new one off of the new EP, uh, When I'm Gone. Uh, that one came out this year, and actually it got, got up to a number three in mainstream rock songs, and I even got up to number 29 up in Canada. So uh, good stuff for a band that uh, is definitely kind of has some old school roots happening with their sound as well. In fact, a little bit of it, some of the tracks I listen to remind me a bit of what uh, what Nathan is doing over with Inglorious. But rather than try to describe the whole sound and all that, why don't I just uh, do like I always do, play a little something from the band, and then you can go into our conversation with Mark LaBelle, the singer of Dirty Honey. So with that in mind... What do you say? Play the, uh, their single, When I'm Gone. And if you want to check out the vid for this one, then head up to YouTube.com, type in Dirty Honey, and this will probably be the first thing that will come up. So I'm going to roll this one, and I will see you on the other side of Richie's chat with Mark LaBelle of Dirty Honey. <laughs>
Hi Mark, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? I'm very good. So, I'm originally from Ireland. I'm just wondering, have the band had a, had a chance to play in Europe yet? Uh, no, I've, I actually was just over there. Um, I was actually visiting in Switzerland and Italy. I haven't been to Ireland yet, but uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to getting over there. I know that's a huge rock and roll community, and it's kind of interesting because I always thought if we were to make it, it would be in like Australia or the UK first, not America first. I, I never thought in my wildest dreams that that would happen, so it's cool. Mm. It's it's interesting you bring that up because the band you're going out with, Alter Bridge, pretty soon. Yes. Um, they're a lot bigger in Europe than they are in America. Oh, they're huge over there. Yeah, they're they're an arena act in uh, in, in definitely in the UK and over here they're uh, they're they're more of a club club act. Yeah. So do, do you think maybe that Dirty Honey you, you might concentrate more on Europe then? rather than the U- U.S.? I, it's a bit of a loaded question to start, but are, do, you, do you just go where you think the market is? Yeah, I think, well, I think, you know, we're an American band, obviously, and, and we're from Los Angeles, and, you know, fortunately, I think the, the rock and roll climate has been changing for the better. Um, there was a band uh, from L.A. called Vintage Trouble. They're still doing their thing. Um that, you know, sort of, they went on Jules Holland in the UK and, and it seemingly was like overnight they were famous in Europe, you know, and, and I kind of thought that was the recipe and, you know, I think management and um, our, our booking agent are really dialed in as to what, you know, works here in the States and, and what the path should be. And then, you know, the other thing is like the rock community here in the States has been kind of neglected the last 20 years, really, right? So... I think people are, are excited about rock and roll again, which is which is cool. Mm, I think the festival circuit in Europe is definitely more eclectic um, yeah. than it than it is here. Um, I think it's very genre specific here that when they put a lot of bands together, they try and get the same type of bands on it. But if you play in Europe, you could be with a dance act, an industrial act, a rock and roll act. It could be with any anybody. Um, yeah. Now the the scene locally where you are, uh, is that got is that fairly big on the rock and roll still, or is it just, is it just recently it's more been more up and coming? You know, it's it's um, you know, it, it's it's actually interesting. There's a lot of rock and roll bands that keep popping up from Southern California that I really haven't been all that aware of the last, you know couple years i guess but um you know it's it's been interesting to see like the scene change because there wasn't like a whiskey go-go sunset strip scene really for the last little bit and and there still really isn't much of one but definitely silver lake an area in la has a thriving music scene and it's very creative but it's a little more electronic rock it's not rock and roll you know it's like there's there's definitely bands but they're they're like these electronic rock bands with synths and they're a little bit more like Tame Impala than, you know, an Aerosmith. Hmm. Where, where do you think in the U.S. Uh, what cities are more in tune with what you guys are doing? Like, is there a particular market around the U.S. that, yeah, that's definitely a, more of a rock and roll town? Somewhere like, I'll throw something out there, somewhere like Nashville. 
Yeah, um, you know, LA has been been really good to us, fortunately, which is cool. I think, I think, the broad strokes really are everybody is. You know, if if you're into rock and roll music, if you're in, you know, whether it's Alter Bridge or if it's Aerosmith or Led Zeppelin, I think people are definitely excited. But you know, even Boston was when we visited there, it was it was cool. Um, you know, certainly the Midwest, Columbus, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh was great. Philly, a lot of those towns, you know, Midwest to Northeast are are definitely like recognized as being rock and roll towns, and that's definitely still true. I mean, we we got uh, the support we got when we played in in uh, Cleveland was insane. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. So, oh. and that was one of the latter. Uh, the latter dates on our slash tour that we just did. And, um, you know, people were, were really, really pumped to, mm. to see what we were doing. So, yeah. Do you have to pinch yourself sometimes? And, you know, you play, you played with the who you've gone out with slash, you're going out with Alter bridge on a, on a run and you're going to be supporting guns and roses. Like, yeah, you know, you, some, at some stage you just got to stand back and say, wow, this is from the, you know, from a young band, that only has an EP. Definitely. This has been pretty amazing. It's been really amazing. And, you know, I, um, I, I, the who is insane. I mean, that, you know, that's one of my favorite bands growing up and, um, so is Guns N' Roses and, and, you know, being able to meet Slash and Miles has been a dream come true. And, um, you know, Slash, I kind of stayed away from them as much as I could just cause, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to fanboy out on this guy, you know, too much. He's a, super famous rock star. Um, but you know, one night it was actually in Cleveland. It was that night. He, he just kind of took us aside and just said, you know, I really appreciate what you guys are doing for rock and roll, man. I think it's really cool and it's just so awesome. And I love hearing you guys every night. And, and I was like, wow, like, you know, to come from him, that's, that's really cool. And certainly that night, you know, I was on cloud nine just getting those kind words from, from one of my heroes. Mm. D- did you get to me, Sam? Roger Daltrey or, or Pete Townsend at all? I did, yeah, I did. They, their whole staff was really nice to us, and uh, you know they were very complimentary too. So much so where you know, like their director of lighting, uh, you know, their lighting designer, or whatever was, you know, just if you if you want to meet Roger, like we really like you guys. Just hang with me for a minute, and uh, I'll, I'll introduce you to him when he comes out. And, and Roger came out; and was extremely nice and very gracious and. Um, you know, that was, it was insane, man. It's, yeah, you do pinch yourself and, you know, it, you get very, um, we're very fortunate to be where we are, you know, but, um, it, there's definitely been a lot of hard work put into it as well. So, mm. so, so tell me, Mark, how, how old is the band? We're about two years old now, just under two. So, um, you know, but we've all been playing around bars and clubs in LA for a while. And, um, you know, we were lucky enough to find the right mix of guys that, that wanted to be in an original project together and more than anything, wanted to play rock and roll. Hmm. Was that something you found you couldn't do with the bands before then that you were kind of frustrated? It was just in LA. It's got this really vibrant sideman community, you know, like it's, it's pretty typical to go out any weeknight in LA and you can see like Beyonce's guitar player or, you know, John Mayer's drummer or something, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of people's 
focus is when they move out to LA as musicians is they want to work with, you know, bigger artists rather than be an artist, um, so to speak. So, you know, it was definitely a struggle for me to find people that wanted to be in a band and in an original project and take the risk of, you know, if it doesn't work out, you could very well waste five or six years trying to make something happen with your life. And, you know, you can't get that time back. So, um, that was definitely, that was definitely a struggle. Mm. Is it difficult to get shows in the LA area doing original music, especially for a young band? Like, is the scene there still that if you're a young band, you got to do covers? Um, we definitely did covers a lot. Like, well, so if you play the whiskey, right, the whiskey wants you to pay them 500 bucks to play. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this whole pay to play scene, which I was never about. Um, a buddy told me very early on, Hey, if you can get a hundred bucks, you know, a gig, if you can pay musicians a hundred bucks each per gig, you'll get really good musicians to play on your gigs here in LA. So I, I kind of shifted my focus to, you know, even if we have to play four hours a night and play covers, um, let's do that and, and filter in our original material as it comes in versus paying out money to plant the whiskey or, you know, whatever bar in West Hollywood. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of covers being played at our gigs in the in the early days for sure. Mm. Now, when you do a headline set now, is it all yeah. original music? Because there's only a so amount, you know, there's only like five songs on the EP. We do play some uh, stuff that's not released yet. Um, I think it's going to be released pretty soon. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we we probably do about a 45, 50 minute set with with uh, a cover of of uh, choice in there, whether it's, you know, a, a, an old Zeppelin tune or Aerosmith or ACDC. I mean, we have a, a very deep uh, bag of tricks we can, we can dive into from, you know, doing those four hour gigs. Mm. So, so why, why do an EP in the beginning? Like you could have released a single, you could have released a full album. Um, you know, I think, I think the focus was just, get something out that, um, you know, people can gravitate to and, and enjoy. And, and I don't know if, I don't, we wanted everything that we released to be great, you know, and, and I don't know if we had 10 songs that were great at that particular moment, um, you know, to really make the splash that we wanted to make. Um, and plus you always want to leave people wanting more too. That's always a, a good thing to do. Mm. Now, t- your influences, a lot of people are probably, you know, pigeonholing you as you sound like this band or this band. And for me, I can't stand when people do that. It, to me, it's either good music or, or bad music. But yeah, what, t- tell me maybe about some of your vocal influences that are outside of the rock genre. That people aren't, you know, people are going to say, you sound, you know, sure. they sound like Robert Plant, you sound like Steven Tyler, but there's bound to be other singers that you love growing up that are outside the rock I genre. Mean, you, you might not be able to hear them in, in my voice um, so much, but I definitely loved um, Sam Cooke and Otis Redding and Sinatra, of course. Jeez, um, God, there's. Brian Adams, I guess, is still like a rock guy. Um, you know, those are those are definitely a few that are a little bit off the, the beaten track there. Um, 
that that might be a little bit surprising. There's a lot, a ton of blues guys too. I love all all the Kings, Albert, Evie, and Freddie were were awesome. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan too. But you know, I, I definitely love some John Mayer from time to time. Um, more for his guitar playing probably than anything. Um, but yeah, those are those are some uh, some X factors in there for sure. Mm-hmm. So of course you got the Alter Bridge. Uh, tour coming up. Um, yeah, are you a big? Were you a big fan of that band anyway? You know what? I they kind of were around sort of when I you know was chasing girls as a a, a very young adult and and not so much into discovering new music. I'm kind of like, geez, I I discovered like Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Like really discovered them you know, not too long ago, like within the last probably eight years in Soundgarden too. So my musical history started back like in the sixties with the Beatles and the Stones and then it, it grew into Zeppelin and Aerosmith and, you know, those classic rock bands. And that was sort of, I was listening to that stuff in high school. So I'm like kind of playing catch up on, you know, what, I guess the, the early 2000s, the 90s, the late 90s and, and 2010s of rock really is. You know, I, I, I'm i not too familiar with any of that period. Mm. Were you able to sit down with Miles when you went out with yeah. Slash and, and just talk about singing? Like, were you able to look at how he warms up and, and his routine and all of that? Yeah, we, we talked quite a bit about it, actually. And, um, you know, we have a pretty similar warm-up routine and it's super important to do um but you know i just got to talk to him about music more than anything um which is great and just we have very similar influences and he's a big uh, guitar guy too like we both just adore the instrument i mean I, I have a bunch of really nice guitars that i couldn't live without at this point and, and so does he and then we we discovered we actually both have the same Joe Perry guitar from uh, the 1996 Gibson guitar. So he's been, honestly, he's been like the nicest guy anybody could ever want to meet on tour and, and have as, you know, a, um, I guess an elder statesman of, of rock and roll out with you, you know, to learn from. He's such a true professional and he's a, he's a really gracious person and um, he really couldn't have been nicer. Hmm. Have you? Do you know any of the other guys in Alter Bridge? I, I've interviewed Mark a couple of times. He's the most. No, hum- I, I'm looking forward. I, I can't wait to meet him. Yeah, he's a great guitar player. He's um, he is so down to earth and humble. You're going to love him. Yeah, he seems like he is. I've been watching a lot of the interviews that they were in the press tour. Um, they're just over in Europe, and, and he seems really cool. And, and him and Miles seem like they get up very well. So. Mm. So, so, Mark, after the Alter Bridge tour and the Guns N' Roses show, is it back in the studio to record an album? Is that the plan? Yeah, so we're, um, we're talking about that now. I think, uh, you know, we're trying to get through that as soon as possible, obviously. Um, we're going to do our own headlining tour um, after those gun shows um, around, like, the Pacific, sort of southwest. And then... Um, and yeah, I think we, we're planning on going back to Australia to, to record some some more tunes and see what we can muster up for the next uh, batch of songs, you know. But we're, you know, honestly, we have a lot of stuff already written. It's just, you know, recording it and getting it dialed in and getting it finished is always that, that last ten percent is always, uh, you know, the toughest part. Uh, do you find it easy to write on the road? 
I, I find it pretty easy actually to um to write melodies on the road. Um and there's been a lot of good starts already that just spawned from John playing something on the guitar at soundtrack and like, you know, there's so many classic stories of that situation, um, spawning, you know, whatever great song. Um but yeah, I, I I think really it's just whenever inspiration strikes, you know, it's not uh there's not any single recipe to, to write a great song. You know, it, you've got to be inspired. And I, I do find that the best ones kind of come quickly, but it's because you've been really working at it for a long time. You know? mm. Well, Mark, I have to say, the EP is excellent. Um, there's there's new bands come along every so often, and there's so much music out there, but you, your one is definitely right up there this year as one of the best new new new. new EPs or, or albums I've heard this year. I love it. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll see you out in uh, Worcester when we're out there with uh, with Ultimate. Oh, I was just going to tell you that I'm, I'm hoping to go to that show. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome, man. Yeah, we uh, we played there on our first run with, with Glitz Unrising, and um, we're looking looking forward to go back. So it'll be, uh, it'll be fun, I'm sure. And it'll be a great show, too. Miles is awesome. I'm sure he brings it with them. Mm. The same uh, way, if not more, as, as what he did with Black. Mm. So do you want to give out all the social media sites for the band? Yeah, you can uh, hit us up on Instagram and Twitter and uh, Facebook. It's at Dirty Honey Band. And um, our website is uh, DirtyHoney.com. Perfect. Well, Mark, have a good rest of the day. It's been a pleasure talking Such to you. Such a pleasure, man. Yeah, you too. Yeah, take care of yourself. You too. See all you, right. man. Bye. There you go, Richie's chat with Mark LaBelle of Dirty Honey. Some uh, pretty cool stuff there, and with a band that's only about two years old, I would imagine there's going to be some more amazing stuff coming out from those guys in the future. So, damn, kind of a packed show this week. Good stuff with Frank and with Mark. And as I had mentioned back early in the show, you know, Richie's been out there just doing an insane amount of interviews with people I'm not sure how he's even getting to eat, sleep, or uh, work the day job, but uh, definitely providing us with a whole lot of stuff to think about and to uh, listen to. So uh, I have got to figure out what it is that I'm going to be bringing you next week as I go through all of that stuff because, yeah, there are some definite decisions to be made. I've got uh, stuff to pick from from uh, new album artists that are back on the road. I've got some brand new artists. I got some artists that uh, aren't even uh, beyond the age of 16 yet. Yep, and we actually have one of those. I've got some legendary stuff that's uh, come back as well. Just all kinds of stuff that Richie has uh, been dropping in my lap as the weeks have gone by. And I also believe that even uh, with the stuff that he already has, I think that we are scheduled to do uh, yet another interview with Michael Sweet as his next album rolls out from Rat Pack Records as well. So, uh, yes, Valeria, be on the lookout for that one as well. But uh, rest assured, by next week, I will have figured out what the hell I am doing. But in the meantime, as always, you can keep up with us over at focusonmetal.net where you can uh, find this episode and all the episodes as well going way the hell back. You can also go over to focusonmetal.blogspot.com where we post the show notes for each week's show. So if you wanted to check out the videos or some links from this show, you're probably going to find it over there on focusonmetal.blogspot.com. And then 
As always, you can keep up with Richie on Facebook, and you can keep up with uh, whatever the heck I'm doing over on Twitter. But for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great Metal Week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insane. Still here? It's over. Go home.